Welcome to the Purpose Marriage Podcast. If you're in a marriage that is damaged or broken and think all hope is lost, we invite you to listen in to today's broadcast. We pray that through this ministry, you'll find biblical encouragement and instruction that will lead you and your spouse to a closer walk with the Lord and each other. God can and does heal marriages no matter how desperate or impossible the circumstances may appear to be. And now, here is today's episode. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Larson. With me, as always, is my wife, Amy Larson. Amy, say hello. Hello. Well, Amy, uh, here we are again. Let's go ahead and get our listeners caught up with what we've been up to the past month. We try to do these once a month now. Well, they finally started on our house. So we have a brick skirt on our porch, and they're starting on plumbing. And I think that they're getting ready to um, pour the slab. So slowly but surely. Now your dad's house is coming along. In fact, it's almost finished. Well, they have to do the inside, but he's got a roof over his head. <laughs> yes. If we got really desperate, I suppose we could go over there and live in the garage if we <laughs> needed to. I suppose so. Yeah, so uh, that's exciting for us. And remember, this was a uh, sort of a, uh, a vision I had way back when we were um, really deep within the valley, uh, perhaps what restoration might look like, uh, where we'd be living, this sort of thing. It was um, sort of something that the Lord laid and planted in my heart as, as to what could possibly happen. And now that it's becoming a ra- reality, it, it's quite exciting. It's, so I think it's very exciting. And I remember when you first told me that you saw us reuniting and having a ministry. I think I may have laughed. Um, but, I mean, here we are. and You're not laughing now, are you? I'm <laughs> not laughing now. And in fact... It's not about that. We are going to have... Um, I mean, my dad's house one day will be a ministry house, primarily. And so, um, that's exciting. And it's just it's exciting to see you know, how God brings all of this together. Um, And also one other quick note, which I think our listeners will appreciate, um, the property where we're building our house, it's actually where we had our marriage ceremony. So when um, we got remarried, we got remarried in the field on this property. That's right. We We have a video of that. And this was before the uh, I mean, the, the idea was out there. It may have been lurking somewhere in the depths of my mind, but it, it wasn't uh, communicated or, or really discussed uh, for another couple years after we had been restored. Uh, but it was, I tell you what, it was such a, a pretty setting when we had that uh, restoration ceremony. And uh, I think the, the picture of it there on the farm I think it, um, I think it opened you up to the idea when this was brought up later on because it was so beautiful and we saw what the, the Lord had done and how it all came to um, 
that moment there where restoration occurred and there we were before friends and family uh, recommitting ourselves to each other and to the Lord. It just spoke to the possibilities of what God could do. And so, you know, eventually what I'd like to see happen later on down the road, Lord willing, um, a lot a lot would have to happen and God would have to work, of course. But, you know, it's sort of put on my heart to at some point in our lives uh, be able to minister to couples and have them come and be with us. Uh, you know, if they're facing challenges and uh, where we were before, our previous home wasn't really conducive to that type of no. ministry, right? And so, yeah, and this this is such a it's a beautiful setting. It would be a, a nice getaway, but maybe something like a weekend counseling retreat or something like that is that's kind of what we envision yeah. long term. Yeah, um, and really, it, it's kind of funny too because one of the things that I remember when we got restored and had our ceremony there in the fields, it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, but what's so funny is I think that was the very first time ever. I mean, we have owned this property has been in my family since I was born way before I was born. Um, it's mm. multi-generational property. Um, and that was the first day I think any of us had ever been up to the top of the property. Um, don't you think you had never been up there before? I wouldn't have had any reason to go up there. No. I don't think. Yeah, and so we, it, it's it's just ironic because it had been, what, 30-something years. I had never been up to the top of the property, and now we're building at the top of the property. I mean, it really is beautiful. We'll have to post well, um, some photos and, and show Even without the photos, our I, viewers. I tell others to picture the opening sequence of Little House on the Prairie, <laughs> yes. which is a wonderful show. If you're looking for something wholesome to watch, there's nothing on TV nowadays that really qualifies as such. Uh, but that opening scene uh, where they're, you know, uh, in the... Uh, horse-drawn buggy, and they're going across, and you see the girls uh, running down the field. That's sort of what it reminded me of. Yeah, it really is. And a lot of other people say, oh, I didn't know you owned a little house on the prairie. Um, so, yes, it's beautiful in that way, but at the very top, um, it's little house on the prairie meets beautiful mountain scenery. So we have the um, Cumberland Mountains and the Smoky Mountains on both sides and just it's it's a gorgeous view well that is all a testimony of what god can do what he has done and uh, the future isn't written yet of course he knows it and uh, we just want to be obedient and you know my my perspective is that everything i have everything we have everything we own belongs to the lord and Amen. if he decides that he wants us to uh do a certain thing later on down the road with regards to ministry, uh, then he's going to give us the tools and the, uh, the, uh, he, he will equip us. He will equip mm -hmm. us in such a way as to be able to pull that off. Yes. So we're very grateful for how things are going. Well, uh, today's show is titled the self, not the, but it's titled self-righteous rebellion. And, uh, you know, we've 
spoken and corresponded with many standers who have shared how their spouse is actually using scripture combined with worldly wisdom to excuse their behavior. Uh, Phrases such as, uh, I'm in God's permissive will, and uh, the spirit of God's law is A, B, or C, are either completely invented, but sound spiritual in some cases, but these are always, the scripture anyway, is taken completely out of context. Uh, We want to break down these arguments in order to help our listeners discern the truth as they navigate these troubling waters they find themselves in. Theme verse today is Proverbs 30, verse 12. And Amy, I'm going to ask you to read that for us. Okay, Proverbs 30, 12. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but not washed of their filth. Hmm. Well, let's break that down. I mean, that's pretty out there. Uh, clean in their own eyes. Uh, that's going to imply an individual who believes or claims to believe they are without fault. And I say an individual who believes or claims to believe because I think there are many who might profess that they are doing God's will or God is okay with it, and they try to convince others of that. But I think deep down, many of them know they are out of the will of God. That's why I say they claim to believe this Mm -hmm. to be the case. Uh, But it doesn't square with Scripture. Uh, And to prove that, we have Isaiah 64, verse 6. Amy, go ahead and read that. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Right. And that that verse there, Isaiah 64, 6, it stresses that all of us are like this. Uh, It's not everybody except for your prodigal, who is unique in their situation and pursuing their version of the will of God. Right. So well, let's and I mean, yeah. also, you know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I mean, that all means all. Right. It, well, of course, we know this, but uh, oftentimes that prodigal, the one who is pursuing divorce, doesn't lump themselves in the category of all. Correct. Their situation is unique, not washed of their own filth. Uh, the second part of that verse means the person who thinks they are without fault is actually dirty and stained by sin. The sin that affects them is from within, and they own it. It belongs to no one else. Uh, So I I make that emphasis there. Not washed of their own filth, because we are all filthy and wretched and uh, deserving of judgment and death, but for the grace of God, we would be doomed to an eternity in hell. Right. right. Well, and it also reminds me of the verse that talks about how that um, you're, you know, looking to your brother and you want to get the speck out of his eye, but there you have a log in your own eye. Yeah. And it's it's really easy sometimes to point out other sins, but when you're, you know, you're 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 purposely not looking for your sins, it's easy to blame everybody else and think that you're without fault. Right. Well, we have a few questions that we want to ask here. The first one, how does the prodigal get to the point where they believe their pursuit of divorce can be reconciled with God's will? Amy, now, you were 
the standard turned prodigal. I was the prodigal turned standard. And so we both have different perspectives to bring to this conversation. Mm -hmm. But in the context of pursuing divorce, uh, this might apply to you a little bit more. Right. So how, how did you get to that point where uh, you believed that what you were doing was, quote, in God's permissive will, and he would allow this? Well, I, th- I think I, I mean, a lot of justification. Um, I knew what I was doing wasn't of God's will. Um, and I knew that God, you know, hated divorce and that, he didn't want to see the destruction of families. I mean, I knew scripture. I, I was very familiar, you know, with those passages. Um, but like you were saying, it's, it's easy to justify your actions. And I went about it in a way that was like, well, this isn't as bad as some of these other sins. Like divorce isn't as bad as X, Y, and Z. I could be you know, doing these things, but this is divorce and a lot of people get divorced and God will understand because I'm a child of God and he loves me and what's happening to me and the treatment from my husband isn't fair. Therefore, God will say, well, it's okay. I'll look past your situation. And I know that sounds silly to hear, but you really get to a point where you just you, you think grace will abound, you know, and we know that verse. So does that mean we should continue to sin? No, that is not what that means. But constantly telling yourself, God is a loving God. He will forgive me for this. He understands because I've been through hard times. And, you know, again, does that justify my actions? No. Um, But it was always a, well, if I do this, you know, God will eventually look past it. Well, could you use scripture to support that perspective? Well, I will say, I think that every case is different depending on where, you know, what, what's going on in your marriage. So for instance, in our relationship, Um, I constantly threw up to Tommy, well, you know, I'm wanting to seek a divorce, but look at everything that you've done. I mean, you've had an affair, um, in your heart over and over and over. And I also equated an affair, um, meaning he had, um, you know, dabbled in pornography and had what I thought was dabbling. It ended up being a a pretty big addiction later on I found out um but at the time which which I confessed probably prematurely uh, <laughs> yes. it, it, it didn't he did that matters. In, in that well, matter in the, he did not listen to pastoral advice <laughs> well I think the timing was off I, I was attempting to be open and transparent and get everything right out in the open and I wasn't that, ready. that 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 only uh, fueled your anger and well, yeah. that just, that, of course you are, of course you're dealing well, with Well, and I also thought he was confessing this to me to say, see, this is why I treated you so poorly. And this is, 
you know, now you have to take me back because I'm confessing. An, an excuse. And, yeah, this is an yeah. excuse. Yeah. And, and that, that is really how I viewed it. And so what I did is, again, I equated um, Tommy's sins. Like, my sin wasn't as big as Tommy's sins. Um, I had done this one thing. He had been doing this for 10 years of our marriage. You know, I mean, just the, the weight of it. Now, do I look at 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 these the, the same way? Absolutely not. I am very biblically grounded in my thinking. Um, I know what is right. I know what is wrong. Um, and even if his addiction would have, you know, continued, it, it was truly my job as a wife to pursue him in a way um, and to get him the help that he needs. As his helpmate, that was part of my job. I'm not saying that I could correct that or change it or make him not have an addiction, um, but I never sought help for any of those things. And to be fair, I didn't know about it, um, but I mean, I did I saw signs. I should have asked questions. I didn't. So I just, I just got more anger, angry. Um, so his, you know, his sinning kind of fueled my anger. And so then I just started not caring. Um, and, and that's kind of how it started. I just started, you know, I started saying, well, if he doesn't care, I'm not going to care. Um, I'm not going to get help. I'm not going to do anything. Um, now I'm going to do it my own way instead of trying it God's way and taking, you know, biblical actions. Um, and in doing so, again, I just justified it. Uh, and I made, I made things in my mind okay, like God was okay because he would understand. I wasn't supposed to be treated like this as a wife. So therefore, God would have mercy on me and say, Yes, I will grant your divorce, and you're totally good in my eyes. And that is absolutely not true. And in fact, I now look back and see the amount of destruction caused by my actions. You know, I'm I'm reminded of, you know, those those days, and how when I would be accused, I was only owning up to my. Um, my sins, and uh, not trying to uh, shift the blame. Uh, I mean, initially you thought that's what I was trying to do, but I assumed full responsibility and yes, said all these did. things, all these things were wrong. And you were you were quick to point out all those flaws, which I had many, and I would acknowledge them, and I would confess them before the Lord, and ask for forgiveness from you, but. You know, the, the prodigal, it seems that all that they are able to see are the flaws in the other person. So while I would, I would say, yes, I've, I, I've done wrong, but Amy, what you are doing is wrong too. So <laughs> right. on one hand, you're condemning me while at the same time pursuing your path right. and not, uh, you're not willing to do anything about that. And, and therein lies the, the hypocrisy uh, for the prodigal, where they are just so quick to judge uh, and, and never willing to admit wrong uh, on their part. Right. It's, you know, I saw it firsthand. I hear of it constantly 
from those whom we counsel or uh, those we meet with, uh, that, boy, that, that self-righteousness, and I, and I wanted to do an episode on it and, and address it. We've, we've sort of danced around it in previous episodes, but um, yeah, it's, um, it's pretty amazing to see. Uh, next question, in, in what ways does the prodigal seeking separation and divorce try to impress upon others they are in God's will? I, I remember one conversation we had, Amy, where you used the words that uh, you used the words "crystal clear" and "no doubt," and and that was to, I guess, convince me that there was no doubt in your mind and that this was the path. And you were you were so I was absolute about, it. <laughs> yes. about that. Like there is no possible way that your perspective could be changed and that God had made this clear to you. Uh, speak to this question here. How did, how did you try to convince me that you were in God's will? Uh, I think it was quite easy for me to um, at least convince myself. I, I, I know for a fact I never convinced you. Um, because you knew what was right and what was wrong. Well, we'll speak a little bit to that later. Yeah, right. How, how but, I knew. But I yeah. convinced, I convinced myself and attempted to convince you, um, just because I felt like, who are you to tell me what God's will is and what God says is good and right and pure and holy when you've been living the way that you have for all these years, like who are you to tell me what's right? And I really did see it like that. I I really didn't see that uh, in the very beginning stages. I mean, he really did. He, he repented. He was doing, uh, we always joke and say, do the steps, <laughs> uh, but he was taking all those little steps um, that he needed to towards biblical counseling and restoration and reconciliation with our marriage and just owning up to what he's doing. But I didn't see any of that. To me, he had told me so many times, I'm going to change. It's going to be different. And then he never changed. And so I really just kind of saw this as this is a more extravagant, I'm going to change. Um, but you're the center of all sinners. I know what you do. I know how you've lived. So how dare you tell me what is biblically accurate and what God has planned for my life? I didn't have any credibility. Mm-hmm. Therefore, nothing I believed or said or recommended carried any weight. Right. So while I was attending a church a, a biblically-based church where the gospel was preached from the pulpit and I was receiving godly biblical counsel, none of that information that was coming to me could be passed on to you because I was flawed. Therefore, the message, uh, it, it couldn't be accurate. or right. it, I just, I wasn't the vessel that needed to deliver uh, that, that message to you. Well, and at that time you ended up absolutely being that vessel that continued pursuing me, pursuing my heart and not my heart 
for remarriage as much as my heart towards the Lord. Um, so later on in time, he absolutely was that vessel um, that God used to speak directly to me. Um, but in the beginning, that, that wasn't the case. Okay, well, well, let's talk about some some other things that you did to try to give the illusion that you were in God's will, that you were walking biblically. <laughs> you want me to tell about the... Uh... The women's ministry story. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that's a good one. But but let me let me set it up here. We had been attending the same church. Yes. And we did so for a couple years on and off. Of course, we didn't do it consistently, and I wasn't willing to pull the trigger on joining because I really didn't want any sort of accountability mm-hmm. in my life, and I knew the. The church uh, was a Bible-believing church, and there were God-fearing uh, leaders there who would hold me account. to account. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, I knew I, that too, which is why I mm, ran. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we we both ran, mm-hmm. you know, at different times. Uh, so when I began to get serious about my faith and become obedient, and, and the Lord had to humble me greatly and put me in my place, uh, we, we still were attending that church. Now, I had moved out and was at an apartment. Amy was at home with the boys. But we would still come to church. Uh, I, I tried to make it easy. I tried to appease Amy. I said, you know, we, we had three different services, I believe, at the time. Might have been two. And I said, look, I'll, I'll come to this service if you want to come to another one so if you know, you're not comfortable around me. I can understand you're angry at me. You might not want to see me. And so I remember a couple times seeing you sit a few uh, pews down in front of me. Uh, so I was glad that you were coming. Uh, but then there was one, one Sunday where I, I had the boys and... We were going to church. I expected to see you. You had sent me a message saying that you were at home crying, something about your your devotions and God was speaking to your heart, and you didn't weren't able to make it to church, and that you would um, you would just go somewhere else. And so I didn't see you at church that Sunday. And you did go to this other. Uh, church, uh, not too far from where we were. Which was also a Bible-believing church. Yeah, much, much larger, so it's much easier it's to too, get lost mm-hmm. in the crowd. Right. Yeah. Which and was so, why I okay. went there. Okay, yeah, so explain your motivation. Yeah, for, so for I'll, I'll pick up from, from where Tommy left off. I um, absolutely started going to another church for the same reasons he didn't want to go in the first place. I knew that they would uh, reach out, and in fact, they did reach out. Um, three different people from the ter- from the church had attempted to reach out to me, and I knew that they were serious, and I knew that they would point me back in the direction of my marriage and my husband and reconciling, and I didn't want that. 
And so at that point, I decided to go to another church and I would tell him, I just can't be, you know, at church with you. It's awkward. You know, I need a place of my own. So, well, you needed your quote space. Space. Yes. So this many times. Yes. So Mm -hmm. although I did choose a very strong Bible believing church, as Tommy mentioned, it was very large. Um, And I would always go up. They had a balcony. So you could easily slip in the back, stay in the balcony, and slip out, and not one single person. I mean, they might say hi, but they wouldn't know that I'm a visitor or a stranger. Um, and so I did that on several occasions. Um, and I decided that I was going to go to their uh, get to know the church. They had like a little gathering after church. I went to that and I spoke with a lady and, you know, she wanted to know a little bit about my story. And basically I told her how horrible my husband was and that we were divorcing and that he had had affairs, which was not true (laughs) or accurate at all. Wow. You told. (laughs) So Yes. Um, So that's interesting. Yes. And so because in my mind, again, I'd convinced myself you know, he's had an affair after affair because, you know, what he's doing in his heart, you know, well, and, you were, and that you is were, not... You were conveying the spirit yes. of our story. Yes. Right? You didn't have to have everything No, accurate. not everything had to be accurate and right. truthful. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, she took pity on me um, and couldn't believe that I was raising three boys on my own, which was not true at all. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So she told me, you know, that they had... Hey, folks, this, some of this I haven't heard before. <laughs> this is news so to him. It is really um, these things here. Yeah. Right. And so she told me about, you know, these uh, women's ministries that I could plug into several um, classes that they had that would be a great fit for me. There were, you know, single women, married women, older, younger, like just a good mix. And, um, I told her I was very interested and I honestly, I I want to say I went to multiple, but I think that that's probably not accurate. I do think I went to one. And of course in the one, again, it was poor pitiful me. I'm, you know, just so sad and lonely and, Um, I remember after going to that, I mean, I really did put on this show of how, I mean, I just desired attention and people to feel sorry for me. Um, but all that did was feed my justification of why I was getting divorced. It didn't matter that I hadn't told them the whole truth. Um, and a lot of it, I didn't necessarily lie. Like they asked questions and I just allowed them to think what they thought and did not correct them. Yeah, so, I mean, so that is like, a lie, but yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm getting divorced. And then the question then is, well, he's divorcing you, which was never asked. Right. No, and no, none of those. Oh, I'm going through divorce because I'm chasing after divorce. Exactly. Right. Um, it was always a poor, pitiful me story, mm-hmm. um, and how I'd been just in a terrible, rocky marriage for 10 years. And, oh, I'm, you know, at the house by myself with the three boys. I mean, that sounds really elaborate. Um, I got to stay at the house because 
Tommy allowed me to stay in the comfort of our own home with our children as to not make them, you know, be uncomfortable. I mean, so again, it's, you convey the message. The prodigal likes to convey the message that they want to get across to have people empathize with them and feel sorry for them. Um, and then they can, you know, justify in their mind. Yeah. You know, you, you should get divorced, which no one in that group, you know, suggested that. Um, but I do remember after leaving that group, I, I, I told Tommy I was going to write a book about all of the, the things that had gone wrong in our marriage. And, um, I was just a strong woman now. <laughs> and it was just clear to me that we were never to be together and that I'm going to, you know, be this author now and just write a book about all of my many experiences. And I mean, it's mm. so laughable. And I remember he was like, you, you're going to write a book. You, you talked to this women's group about writing a book. And I mean, it was just, it was laughable, but I made him think that I was going to this women's group and this Bible study and like every week, I, this is what I did. Um, reality is every week I would absolutely go to church because I didn't want to, for him to ask me and me not be able to say, or me, if I had to say, well, no, I didn't go. I felt like it was like, aha, you know, so I did go and not because I wanted well, to. Well, you were, you were saying that you were in God's will. And so, right. so I had to convey that. would be that. difficult to believe if you weren't attending church. Exactly. So right. I continued. You had to keep up the illusion. Yeah. I continued um, attending. And again, it was exactly as I described. I would go in. Uh, typically, I would go in when there was a big crowd going in. Just kind of go in with the crowd get my, you know, bulletin or whatever it is that they had for handouts, go straight up to the very tippity top of the balcony, make sure that I sit around nobody that's going to want to try to shake my hand or be friendly or try to get me to go to anything that I didn't want to. And then as soon as it was over, I would get my car and I would um, go home. You know, about that time, I would I had I had reached out to one of the associate pastors there. And this was the time I, I was desperate uh, to save the marriage, and I was trying everything within my means and power uh, to have that conversation with Amy and and, and reconcile. Uh, I, you know, God has to be the one that changes her heart, but I, right. I I knew I I had to do everything that I could, and if that meant reaching out to somebody over there who might be able to speak to her. Uh, I, I w- was uh, attempting to do that. And so and I, reached out, I reached out to no this record. pastor. Yeah. And I explained <laughs> the situation and I said how, yeah, she's attending this, 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 and she's going to write this book. And, she, you know, I, I gave the whole, I fed him the same story she fed me. And he was very gracious Uh you know, in, in dealing with me, but he communicated, yeah, we don't have any record of anybody, <laughs> anybody like this. It's like, what are, what are you talking about? We don't even have a record of her attending anything. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I felt a little foolish at first, and 
then I realized, yeah, she's she's probably making all of this up. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and that just spoke to her heart condition. Right. And ironically, that exact same pastor um, preached on divorce one week. And he was very straightforward. And it yeah, was a I, very pointed message. But again, like, as I'm sitting there, I'm listening and I'm hearing him, but I'm like, yeah. He's talking to everybody but me because he doesn't understand my situation. Again, the prodigals think that their situation is special, that they're different. You know, really go back to the story of Adam and Eve and the fall of man. You know, it's like, well, did he, you know, did God really say that? You know, Satan just reiterate, like he just asked a question but he gave doubt to Eve. Um, and so then she started believing the lies and it's like, well, you know, surely that wouldn't happen to me because God loves me. It was the exact same lie that I felt that I fed myself. Well, he's talking to all these other people, but he's not talking to me because God loves me and he'll forgive me for what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, so that was that was one of the illusions that you uh, gave, put out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you you had uh, devotions uh, with our children. Uh, trying to think if there were some um, other things that you might have done. Uh, I think the church attendance was the big one. Uh, you think of any others? I, I really can't. I mean, that was the big one. The, I remember you telling me that you had lots of people. You had an army of people praying for you and for the oh, situation. Oh, yeah. But here, let me. Yeah, I, I can speak a little bit to that. I did have armies of people praying. People that weren't even like true Christians that were praying that we would never get back together. That is what they were praying because I had surrounded myself with friends that were not going to church, were not following after the Lord, um, truthfully never even had a relationship with the Lord. It's just one of those like, oh, I'm sick. Can you pray for me type things? And so, yes, I did have all of these people praying. Um, but again, it was pray that he finds someone else, pray that we never get back together, pray that, you know, God would just move him somewhere so I don't have to be around him. I mean, those were the things they were praying. You know, I'm thinking now as you're talking of some of the things that were done. um, Yes, you were the prodigal. And and as you think of somebody who is spiritual, who is close to the Lord, they're going to certainly be attending church. They're going to be spending time in the Word, and they're also going to be praying. So for Amy, and this is this will be true for most of the prodigals out there. They're trying to give that illusion. Uh, are they going to church? Yeah, but they're probably going to church to hide. Or if they've decided to not go to the church you're going to. Or maybe they're going to go to a church that has diluted the truth of the gospel and they're not preaching what needs to be preached. All right? Uh, secondly, they're reading, they're, if they're reading the Bible, well, exactly what are they reading in the Bible? I know Amy was 
scouring scripture hours. looking for verses that would justify her leaving the marriage. And, and I that mean was hours. your Bible study. Yeah. Right. Okay. I would spend hours doing that and hanging on to one small little section of what I it, w- com- completely out of context scripture that would help me to think and say things back to Tommy when asked, well, I have scripture to support it. And it was like, yeah, that scripture's not in context. Mm. That is not what the Bible means about that. But I mean, I would, I would spend hours doing this. Or, and then prayer, uh, getting your acquaintances and, you know, friends to pray that the divorce would come quickly and you could get on with your life. Yes. All right. So somebody attends church, they read their Bible, and they're engaged in prayer. So those are the illusions that they try to put off on others, yet those things that they are doing, <laughs> they, they'll say they're doing them, and they're implying you know, what is good, but in fact, they're, <laughs> they're doing the those things, but they're, they found a way to turn those things into evil. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's exactly, I mean, I, what we just described, what I just conveyed to all of our listeners is exactly what I did. That is the exact truth of the matter. So, but could I say to people, oh, I attend church. I read my Bible. I pray all the time. Absolutely. You know I what? I say those things. And those arguments uh, could serve to uh, mislead a stander mm-hmm. and fool them into thinking, well, maybe, maybe they are right with God. I, I mean, think there's you a lot felt of that. Well, I, I certainly doubt. I certainly doubted, and I second guessed myself on a few occasions. But I always came back to Scripture, and to the point that you know the, the fruit that I was seeing in these other areas weren't lining up with scripture at all. So there there was there was something way off. None of this was genuine or uh matched with what a spirit-filled believer's life should look like. Right. And the here I want to pause just for a minute right there because one thing that you said during our pause that I will never forget and I absolutely hated is he said, Amy, I'm, I'm really not understanding because if we're both growing closer to the Lord, then our paths should be in alignment. Well, and they, he was we should exactly, be getting close together. Yes, he right. was exactly right. And I hated when he said that because I knew that while he was doing that, I was only giving the illusion that I was doing that. And I saw that he was calling my bluff. So you didn't like that, huh? No, <laughs> of course I didn't like that. And neither will your prodigals if, if you attempt to approach them. You know, He did it in a loving manner, but I think he realized, yeah, that one's not going to fly. So maybe I shouldn't say that anymore. Prodigals don't like the truth. No, they don't. And the truth is not in them at all. No. Next question. Yeah, this continues. This is a good one. Um, what What are the signs one can point to in order to prove the prodigal is not in God's will? All right. So here, here's some possible answers. I'll, I'll read the first one. Constant anger and blame. So if your prodigal is claiming 
to be spiritual and in God's will, but you're seeing constant anger and blame from them, mm-hmm. that's a warning sign. Right. All right. Um, the second one is an aversion to scripture. Mm. Uh, again, they can say that they're in God's word, but if you point out or anyone else in their life points out truth of scripture and how that they're not walking in that truth, they will avoid it at all costs. This, that, uh, that point there reminds me of a stander who was living, is living in the same household with his prodigal standing for his marriage and has placed scripture verses on the walls of his bedroom and his prodigal, his prodigal wife who professes to be a Christian uh, hates seeing those and in fact uh, has demanded that they come down and has used them uh, has described them in such a way as to uh, paint this stander as being manipulative or abusive in that he was shoving his religion, the same religion that she professes to... To believe. Believe. Right. Yeah, it's right. absurd. But, you know, what What she doesn't like is there is truth contained there in those verses. Exactly. And they pierce and they penetrate. Mm-hmm. And the prodigal doesn't Hates want that. that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hate it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, an aversion to Scripture. Uh, next one is an avoidance of being around truly godly people. Right. Uh, you knew there were, and you had people in your life, Amy, at the time who you knew were godly individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, these were, I, I can remember a, a friend of yours uh, from your time in Egypt when you were on missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some other uh, people uh, that were associated with missions work. Uh, we won't mention any names. Right. Uh, but those were individuals who you knew had a close walk with the Lord, and they were telling you something different mm-hmm. than your friends who <laughs> didn't quite have as close yeah. a walk with the Lord. And you didn't, you didn't really associate with them as much or probably want to associate right. with them Yeah, that's as much. true. I, I did. It was... Uh, and if she were to listen to this, she would know exactly who I'm talking about. But I did have one friend in particular, very godly friend. We, we did serve together, um, when I did mission work overseas and, um, you know, it was interesting because she presented things in a very loving way. Um, she never told me, she actually said, I'm praying for you and I'm praying for him. Um, but she never said, you know, outright, like what you're doing is wrong or what he's doing is wrong. But she actively told me, I'm, I'm praying for you and I'm praying that things turn out differently than the direction that they're headed. Um, and that was the one person that I did whenever things came up, I continually called her and, um, she was the one, one person that spoke truth into my life. And I remember at one point I called her and I said, you know, I'm just, I'm so confused. I feel like, you know, I shouldn't be going towards divorce. Um, 
but you know, I'm just, I'm confused about where I'm at and I don't think I'm, you know, maybe I'm not doing the right thing and, um, I'm just going to keep doing it though, because I'm so confused. And she said, well, we know who the author of confusion is and it's not our savior. And so maybe you should take pause and maybe you should rethink what you're doing. And it was so powerful. Um, and so, you know, my suggestion would be to pray that your prodigal does have that one person that is speaking truth into their lives. Um, because I will never forget, um, my girlfriend and she's still to this day, you know, we, we talk at length. Um, we don't see each other often, but we talk, uh, when we do talk, it's like for hours and, uh, like we, we love to, you know, just catch up. Um, but I say all that because I did avoid people that were here. Now, had she lived here in town, (laughs) had she been nearby, that probably would have been a different story. Um, but she was not in town. She lived out of town. And when I felt convicted, I would call her and I would talk to her and she would speak truth into my life. But again, she wasn't a constant in my life. She wasn't here to direct my path because I know that if she had been, I probably would have ended up not liking her very much. Well, what kind of effect did it have though on you when she suggested pausing and taking a step back and you, you heard her and you appreciated what she had to say, but what practical effect did that have on your actions receiving that advice? I mean, when that happened, would, would I see any change in you or were, would, yeah, honestly, you know, the confusion part where you're like, okay, she's been distant and distant and distant. And now she's very affectionate or not affectionate, but <laughs> no, now she's, you're never that, <laughs> but no. now she's calling me or now she's yeah. kind to me. That when would we talk have on been, phone. that would have been, those were the times maybe after mm-hmm. you had one of those conversations. Yes. Yeah. Where your heart was softened Yes. and you were, yeah, you know, maybe you had a conversation with her around Christmas time when I, when I left to visit uh, my brother, I remember, uh, I gave you the, um, uh, a centerpiece of, of flowers for the Christmas dinner. Yes. This was at one of our exchanges. We exchanged the children and, uh, in, in the parking lot, I remember giving that and you, uh, there were tears in your eyes. You didn't start crying, but I, I sensed at that moment, you were very, very tender and, uh, vulnerable and that something was going on in your heart. And, you know, as I made my way on this long journey the next day, driving hours uh, uh, to visit my brother, uh, you actually called me in the morning while I was on the road. And this doesn't happen. This didn't happen. We talked for well over an hour. And it was, you know, just a, a wonderful conversation. And you know, my, uh, it's very encouraging because, you know, we, we didn't have conversations like that anymore. So that, that may very well have been the result of one of the conversations yes. you had with, with her, with yeah. your friend. Yeah. yeah. But other than, other than her, I can say other than my friend who lived out of town, who wasn't, you know, walking alongside me every day, um, I avoided 
I mean, I went to a different church on purpose. (laughs) I avoided all the godly people, you know, in my life. Um, I didn't want to hear from those people because I knew what they would say. And I mean, that's just, that, that's what, that's what the what prodigal, prodigal will do. do. Yeah. Yeah. The next one is, um, a full embrace of self. Hmm. Uh, and I, I mean, I did that as well. I, you know, I said, I'm, I'm done doing it this way. I'm, I'm going to do everything <laughs> that pleases me. If I feel like doing it, I'm going to do it. Um, and I mean, I went gallivanting all over the United States, even though we had three children. I mean, I would leave for little weekend trips, you know, with my girlfriends. And I mean, it would be nothing for me just to pick up and leave and go and, you know, do things and, and really, truly not even worry about what was what the repercussions were or how my children may miss me or how I'm putting all of this, um, you know, like responsibility onto my, either my mom or Tommy. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't care. Well, you um, know, it was all about me. It was all about Not me. me you, and, yeah. yeah. And I'm gonna dream big. <laughs> yeah. That was some great advice from your my Wonderful, counselor. Quote Christian counselor. Yes. Yeah, I remember I remember one Instagram post you had I saw where you uh, had taken a picture of yourself, you were running, and the caption read something along the lines of Here I am, uh, this is how I want it to be, running uh, with the wind in my hair oh, what was it? Sweating running with the wind in my hair, not a care in the world, and sweating like a boss. <laughs> And I'd never heard you say anything like that before. <laughs> That's because I'm like, I who, was who, an who, idiot. <laughs> who is this? But it, yeah. it was, it was, you know, an indication of where your heart was, and where your heart was at the time was just I was you running, were fully self-indulged, yes. and you wanted everybody to see how you had this renewed spirit of self, and you were taking charge of things and. You know, a lot of the uh, standards that we communicate with, they'll share the same type of thing where their their prodigal now has uh, has this renewed confidence and they're well, doing and they're new very things. Vain. They're very vain. They're very vocal and they're very proud of all of the things that they're doing apart from their obligations as a spouse right. or husband. Or father, and they'll say husband I, I or can... wife, or I'm sorry, I meant to say father or mother right. to their children. Right. So they'll uh, they'll um, gravitate to every other identity apart from what they should be placing as the priority, and that is, you know, in their home, their relationship with their own family. Right, and I mean, I I remember. You know, we'll, we'll hear, and I mean, every time I go into a counseling case and it's, you know, there's separation or divorce um, or a brokenness where there's a prodigal, I mean, I hear the same story. They, they keep saying, now I can finally be me. What does that mean? <laughs> it's like what that means is they're embracing everything that they've 
always wanted to do and now they can do it because they're free from you. Well, you know, there's um, nothing good in me. There's nothing good in no, self. There's nothing no. but wickedness. And I can say in all of the things that I embraced in self um, and all the things that I ran after, <laughs> I, I ran away from the Lord. So you can imagine the things that I ran towards were not good. Um, I could literally cry probably in a heartbeat thinking about one story in particular that I remember. I was very shaken um, and I've shared at depth with Tommy, you know, after the fact and just how I knew in that moment God was protecting me and I should have never been in the situation that I was in. And I think it was at that moment where God started revealing to me over and over, like it was like the veil was slowly lifting and I could see myself surrounded by all of these people and the friends and the people that I had allowed into my inner circle were no longer people that I knew. It was like they were strangers. Well, you were starting to see evil for what it was. Yes. And it was like I had been blinded to it. And it was like God was lifting the veil. And I was, I mean, I, right now, look, Tommy, do I not, I have goosebumps all over me because it, it just, it was a moment where I knew you are not running towards the right things. And if you don't turn around and head in the other direction, you're going to be dead in an alley somewhere. And I truly believe that. And I think that, you know, it was like finally the Holy Spirit had grasped, you know, I, I was listening and he, he rang the alarms, he rang the bells, and I finally heard them because my heart had been softening over time. Um, and I can tell you, it didn't take long after that, did it, Tommy? I mean, I started waking up and realizing these people are ju- that I'm surrounding myself with, like, I, I cannot continue in relationships with them. Um, and so that's where all of Tommy's prayers came, um, came into play. And all of the people he had been praying that would, um, you know, leave my circle and like I would break away from people who were wishing harm on me or maybe not even wishing harm, but were putting me in harm's way um, and not in God's will, but further from him. All of those people slowly started fading away. And I mean, I started distancing myself from them. Um, and I mean, God really answered his prayers in that way. Yeah. I prayed against those evil influences in her life, whoever they may be. And, uh, God was faithful to remove them. Uh, all right. Well, there's, there's one other thing there as, as far as signs go that prove the prodigal is not in God's will. And that last one is a a consistent and intentional personal attacks and slander, Mm -hmm. which are directed towards uh, the standard. standard. I don't know. Did I say prodigal? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I was the recipient. I mean, constant, the attacks and the slander and the... um, a misinterpretation of my motives. Mm -hmm. I mean, somehow... You know, your your prodigal 
uh, is able to discern the thoughts and intents of your heart when only the Holy Spirit can. But right. they know all of your motivations and they're all evil. And I think another thing also that I... I, I say they're all evil. I say that tongue, tongue in cheek because they don't know what's going on in your heart. And they'll twist right. everything. Right. Okay? And I, th- I think another thing um, there with the intentional personal attacks um, and slander... I think it's, it's hard sometimes because, you know, as the standard, you may confess just like Tommy did, here's everything that I've done. I'm confessing to you. And the prodigal may say, Oh, I forgive you. Remember? I mean, how many times did I tell you? Yeah. Oh, I forgive you. Um, but I don't want to be with you. I forgive you, but, um, yeah, you, it doesn't mean anything. Um, so I didn't truly ever forgive him. And any time that anything came up that I didn't like, what would I do? Throw your sins back in your face. Mm. I never... Deflect and blame. Exactly. Deflect Deflect and blame blame and and continue to have the personal attacks and continue to, you know, tell others about how horrible of a person he was. You know, and you you really see that same strategy uh, in... Lots of people, mm-hmm. uh, when they are in the wrong, right? Uh, it's it's pretty common. Although you see. know, interestingly though, I, I wouldn't slander him to people who knew both of us <laughs> because they they would know. I mean, and they could say that's not that's not you what are I see. A selective slanderer, exactly. Yeah. All right. Question: What are some scriptures? that prove how one who practices the previously mentioned deeds are out of God's will. And this first one, I'll have you read, Amy. This one, this is especially relevant uh, for husbands who decide to leave their wives. Or vice versa, wives who leave their husbands. Yeah, either could apply. Go ahead, read that. 1 Timothy 5, 8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Mm. Romans 8, 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Remember when we talked about love of self? This is what this verse is talking about, the flesh and pursuing our our own passions and desires. All right? It cannot be in line with God's law. Next verse, Amy. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Um, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. How can your prodigal be in the will of God if they demonstrate fits of jealousy, fits of anger, rage, I mean, all these things. It's not compatible. Mm -mm. Not at all. The last set of verses here comes from 1 John 1, 6 through chapter 2, verse 14. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son 
cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. Let's go ahead and wrap things up here uh, for this broadcast. Why does my prodigal attempt to justify divorce through their view of God and out-of-context scripture? They know in their heart that what they are doing is wrong. If they can give the illusion that what they are doing is good and acceptable, then it eases their conscience. Mm -hmm. Can the pursuit of something God says he hates be reconciled with a heart aligned with Christ? No. If we love the Lord, we do not chase after sin. How should we deal with the false arguments and justifications our prodigal uses to excuse their behavior? Well, we need to know Scripture and be ready to dispel the lies. And we should discern when and when not to counter their claims. A consistent walk with the Lord and prayer life will help us know when engagement is appropriate. Well, now is the time in our show when we mention and pass along prayer requests sent to us from our listening audience. We do this with the intent of helping to build an army of prayer warriors who can join you in this spiritual battle for your marriage. You can contact us at prayer at purposedmarriage.org. Be sure to put in the subject line On Air Prayer, or you can go to the On Air Prayer page on our website, purposedmarriage.org, and fill out the form. I'll read our first one here. This is uh, from Brian A., and I am offering this up on behalf of Brian. Uh, Brian is in a situation where he has faithfully stood for many, many months. Uh, His wife has sought after divorce and is doing everything within her power to turn Brian's children against him. He is weary, discouraged, and in desperate need of God's comfort and guidance. Now, I've spoken to Brian several times over the course of this past year, and I can attest to his heartfelt desire to honor the Lord and do what is right in God's eyes. And my heart goes out to him at this time. Please pray for Brian, his children, and his wife Cassie. Pray that God brings about his true justice and shows himself merciful to Brian. Amy, share the next one, please. The next one comes from Sarah, and she says, Please pray for my marriage. I'm on the verge of giving up and really need grace and strength. We have been separated for four years. Mm. That's a long time to be separated. It is. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Sarah. Those out there listening today, please lift her up in prayer. And one final one here. This is from Chris D., Chris finds himself in a situation where he is standing for his marriage that his spouse has communicated she wants to leave. He's dealing with ungodly influences who are steering his wife's heart in the wrong direction. Uh, Chris has owned up to his transgressions and failures and has strived to honor the Lord during this crisis. Pray that God continues to mold and make Chris into the man he wants him to be, and through this testimony of his there will be a godly influence in his wife's life. That really is, goes right along with what I suggested before we even read that prayer request. I mean, that praying for the prodigal to have that godly influence, mm-hmm. 
uh, is so important and praying that all of those ungodly influences uh, will will be out of her life. Mm. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you now, first off, thanking you for your love, your patience, and kindness toward us wretched sinners. Lord, we come humbly before you now, asking that you would strengthen and comfort all those who are suffering as a result of their faithfulness in standing for their marriages. We know and understand how the world and Satan views the marriage covenants made in your presence. We also know that part of his strategy to take over the world is to destroy the family and weaken the influence of your children. Help us to be strong and to put on the full armor of God as we fight for the truth of your word. Help us to not grow weary in well-doing and to believe with all our hearts that in due season we will reap if we faint not. Lord, may you allow the peace that surpasses all understanding to bless and fill our souls as we navigate through the stormy seas of this life. God, for those requests mentioned today and others on our listeners' hearts and minds, we ask that each one be answered according to your holy will. May it always be this will that we seek and not our own. As we close, help us to walk with a renewed spirit and clear sense of direction that is rooted in righteousness and truth. And above all, may the love and grace you have poured out on us also be poured upon those running from you. Help us now, God. We love you and honor you. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. We hope and pray it strengthens and further equips you to remain committed to your marriage no matter the condition or circumstances. For more information and links to resources from our ministry, be sure to follow us on social media and through our official blog at purposedmarriage.org. If you have questions about standing for your marriage and desire to learn more about how to live biblically during times of trial and heartache, please reach out to us via email. The address is contact at purposedmarriage.org. Until our next broadcast, may God continue to strengthen and encourage as you pursue a Christ-honoring and purposed marriage.